0: Welcome to Web Three Weekly with your host Blockstar Technology. Let's go!
1: All right. Hi everyone. Hi for the all the uh, social nations. How many nations have you got, Charlie? Uh, quite a few. About quite seven, few. Nathan, seven, six, what's seven total. Oh, my God, like plus seven. Plus plus seven. seven. Plus <laughs> seven. So um, hi to everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, this is episode 46. Uh, we're going to talk a so- little bit um, technical. So we're going to talk about uh, upgradable contracts. And today we are joined by in-house, like resident smart contract expert, Dr. Mohammed. Thank you, Kozi. Thanks for having me. All right, you. cool. Nice to meet you. Um, so, Mohamed, um, let's let's get going. So, I have uh, today I've been joined by Charlie yeah, as yeah. well on the side. Nice to have you on, mate. Nice to have you
2: on.
1: <laughs> so, I think, um, Nathan, can we make it a little bit louder? I think it's hard to. Uh, Mohamed, can you hear us now? Yep, yep, yep. Very well. Oh, that's better. Yeah, that's all. Very Sounds very good. Very good. All right, cool. All right, uh, let's get going. So, Moment. so we're going to talk about these upgradable contracts, right? And let's start with what are they? What is upgradable contract? It's a smart contract. It's not a smart contract. What is it?
2: Are smart contracts now all immutable and can't be changed?
1: Yeah, exactly. Are they all immutable and can't be changed? Okay, let's start with some one place, which is what? (laughs) What are upgradable contracts?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good starting point but before going through upgradable contracts let let's uh maybe talk about upgradability itself whether we need it for the smart contracts because as Charlie mentioned everyone knows that smart contracts are getting popular because they are executing on a blockchain and blockchain is popular because it's one of the reasons is that it's immutable so it's one of the tenets that we all are relying on, that it is an immutable ledger, no one can change it. And then let's go there and write some codes and automatically execute it. Then, uh, but um, the new blockchains, I mean, the Ethereum blockchains, not not the mother blockchain. Uh, uh, the Ethereum blockchains and uh, state blockchains, let's say, they're all having the same variables in the smart contract, So we know that the logic is immutable, but there are still uh, variables that you can change and based on these variables, we may have different functionalities. Let's say, for example, if there's a reward in a smart contract and then you are having a setter or getter, let's say setter function, which sets this reward uh, amount You can change this reward Mm -hmm. uh, the owner of the contract or anyone else, actually, it depends on the uh, strategy. But, yeah, so they're still having some features of, you know, upgradability in the smart contract itself. But, yeah, when we are saying they're immutable, because the logic of the smart contracts is immutable. Even upgradable smart contracts or upgradable, let's say, uh, architecture is also having, uh, is also mutable. So we can't okay. say they are changing. There's no change. No one is going to the blockchain and change the ledger. No one is able to do.
1: Okay. So um, we spoke about the, uh, so the, when you say the upgrade contracts, the contract is different from the uh, the blockchain, right? Yeah. So when you talk about the smart, you know, upgradable contracts, you're talking about uh, on EVM, on Ethereum. Yeah. Right. Yep, yep, cool. Yep. So um, is this was this like uh, available natively or is it something that, um, you know, was available recently or how did that come around?
0: Uh, actually, this upgradability is kind of a technique that because natively we are we are having some delegate calls in the smart contracts. Then some genius guys, you know, (laughs) invented these ways of having privacy pattern and everything that we want to discuss today. Uh, But yes, so I can say that still they are immutable. Every smart contract, even upgradable smart contracts on Ethereum are immutable. Mm -hmm. But what are uh, some of the motives that uh, push people to this direction that let's have upgradable? Conference. Let's talk about these things first. Uh, first of all, is that we all know that uh, you know the uh, developers and everyone in this space in the IT sector they knows that they know that we are always having post deployment vulnerabilities. No matter how you um, how your expert developers design and dev- uh, deploy these, you know. Software, any type of software, we know that that yes, is yeah. very likely to have yeah bugs. So this is first of all that mm. again in this space also we definitely encounter these bugs, and the other issue was like because uh, like a distributed or autonomous organization with DAO or any other DApps, they're evolving during the time. So there are uh, they're starting from a point maybe a very simple point and then they get bored yeah. uh, during your time with more complex infractions, with more rules with more you know uh different roles and different hierarchies all of these things and if we want to be a dynamic community definitely we should embrace these changes and somehow introduce these changes into the smart contract into the logic of our
1: distributed application okay so um, when we talk about the um, why why did we come up or why did uh, the smart people come up with the upgradable contract what is the what is the need for it? is it is it because um, you can only have a certain size like in kilobytes is it because you can only certain number of functions is it because to save gas or what are the top you know I don't know how many is it are the top three or top five reasons why people introduced upgradable contracts.
0: Yeah, so as I mentioned uh, before, there were some uh, motive from the upgradable, from the need for upgrading the logic of the smart contract. And yeah. also people were having the problem of, you know, the maximum size of a smart contract, 24.5 kilobytes of bytecode. So any smart contract that should sit on a blockchain, is like it should be encoded by byte codes. So there Got are it. some byte codes that define that mm-hmm. all of these logics. What are these functions? How they should sort as uh, save valuable? How we can you know access them, change them? All of these logics would be in a form of a byte code that identifies that shows uh, how these smart contract would be functioning. And there is a you know limit of twenty four Five kilobytes, which is, uh, really, really, you know, restricting when it comes to big applications. So, it was another motive that pushed people to this uh, direction of okay, if we want to have multiple or different, you know, uh, logics, then we need to upgrade them because we cannot introduce them at the first time developing hmm. one smart contract into the blockchain.
1: Yeah. All right. So. Why, you know that we know smart contracts can call other smart contracts, right? In an ecosystem that's available, that option is available. Why would you create these upgradable contracts when you can already can call, uh, you know, other smart contracts from a single smart contract, right?
0: Yeah. So actually, uh, the point is that when you're talking about normal calls between the smart mm-hmm. contracts. It means that when when a smart contract, so the smart contract can call a function from other contract, but the the caller would be this smart contract. And all the information, the message sender, whoever calls this function is the other smart contract, not the people using this smart contract. So this is a normal call. They are making, for example, to do some calculation, to do some functions that they need, but, it is not upgrading, you know, it's not gonna be upgraded. So if the day the, one uh contract A calls contract B for function, mm-hmm. let's say one, always it's gonna be like this. So there's no change or selection or kind of upgradability because these are just calling static calls, let's say, yeah, which is intrinsically defined by this. Uh, the logic of the smart contracts. But um, as I mentioned, some pros of these upgradability, there are always comes, and still there are some people in the community that uh, they do not agree with the idea of upgradability. And there are some reasons for this, for yeah. this uh, yeah. argument, because, yeah.
1: You yeah, I mean, like from your side, Charlie, you've been like sitting here very quietly, and you I know that you got so much, so many questions like <laughs> yeah, <in> your... <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a hard one, isn't um, it?
1: Because you're a DeFi guy, right? You just want everything transparent and everything else and lock it in. Lock it in, lock, lock, it lock in, that in, baby. In, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. And upgradable, it does pose does pose a risk, but it does have advantages at the yeah. same time. Mm. So um, I guess the My understanding of the diamond contracts is you still... You've got your front-facing contract, which is like client-based, but I would interact with. And then you've got the proxy contract, and you can never change the client-side contract. You can only update the proxy. So with that being in the client side, you can only keep those same functions, Mohammed, and then adjust how they work in the back end, or you can add in new functions. How does that work exactly? Yeah,
0: yeah. actually, uh, yes, uh, we will go through all of these things today. So we are having a bunch of information to talk about. <laughs> but before that one, let me a little bit talk about the native sites or the cons that or let's say somehow vulnerabilities. So uh, first of all is that in a DAP or in a DAO or any kind of a you know web-free application, uh, when you're having the operability feature, it means that you should trust, you should have some extent of trust to the developers and the, to the team. So the whole, uh, um, target of you know decentralization was like we didn't want trusts trusted systems yeah. we want to actions with trustless parties around the world but here because we are adding the upgradability you know feature we should know that what exactly would be upgraded who could upgrade it when can be upgraded so these things should be clarified and uh because it's very important. Because it may end up in a very centralized, you know, uh, dictatorship so in Web3. If you, for example, lock the uh, some tokens or I don't know, lock the minting process or whatever you, anything mm. uh, could be changed in the logic contract because it's upgradable. And also, it is highly challenging and a complex task. You know it's not a straightforward kind of uh, development task that let's say even mid-level developers could do it in this space because it needs a a very very you know it's a very complicated task because you are dealing with memories you are dealing with different function selectors and then if there is any problem there then the whole system uh, would be ruined, you know, we, it would be a, tra- a catastrophic moment for everyone, yeah. And uh, one more thing is that in traditional, let's say, normal smart contracts, if you're having a problem, let's say, in one function, that's only one functionality that could be faulty, okay. It may have side effects on other functions, it may not, so you may have a situation that one function is faulty, but still the rest of the functions are working perfectly fine yeah. and they can survive. But in an upgradable contract, if some part, for any reasons, hmm. is faulty and could not properly function, then people can get into it. And there are lots of security rules there and then changing the logic and then, oh, man, I cannot even <laughs> imagine it what would happen because Attacker comes in and then change the logics and then own the
1: tokens and everything could be you know. Uh,
0: but can they change
1: thing. it though? But can they change it because they should not have access to uh, change the contract, right? Unless they change the values, uh, but uh,
0: they cannot change the values because state variables are there on the yeah. uh, on the contract. But definitely they will change the logic from now on. So from now on, if let's say one million tokens are are minted from now on only me as an attacker i'm I'm minting the tokens and i'm the owner of the whole of these things because i do have the control over minting process and over rewarding process everything actually
1: yes so are you saying okay so are you saying that if you are a hacker that who deployed this contract that you can change um change the contract uh, because it might look right, but then down the line, you could change it. Are you saying that? Or are you saying that, say for example, we deploy a uh, proc, you know the uh, one of the uh, upgradable contracts and then some attacker could come and upgrade it. You're not saying that, are you?
0: Uh, so yeah, both of them actually. So okay, if you're with proper developers, it may end up in a centralization problem because they are the developers themselves and the team themselves are the attackers, real attackers that this is a trust part that I discussed first. And the second one is that if the the operatable smart contract is not, you know, developed with cautious and very well optimized one, Mm. then there are lots and lots of, you know, security holes that attackers can use and get into the smart contract. And yeah. when they get into it, they can change the logic of the uh, uh, smart contract and then everything would be on their control.
1: So this is the part. Uh,
0: that okay. is really
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I thought that you uh, only the, um, the creators could uh, change the smart contract, not an, a third party.
2: Well, that's... Well it depends. A hacker can compromise a wallet, but they do ah, yes, And they then from there they're coming. And yes, they can handle it. Yeah. And then also what was it? Safe moon mm-hmm. a few months ago, like maybe six months. Tracker time ago, when back, you haven't. Oh more than six, yeah, what one year um, ago, I think.
1: Was it one year ago? More than yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, no, 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 no. Six I'm sure it's Is six, it? eight months. Where they um they upgraded their contract. And Uh, It allowed their liquidity pool to get siphoned.
1: Oh, so that was an upgradable contract rather than a new
2: And then someone realized because I believe, Mohammed, a question is uh, I I was reading this a while ago, I can't remember the name of it, Mm -hmm. but Etherscan doesn't yet support upgradable contracts. No, they do. But I think but now you can a, see the they proxy. do have it now. Yeah. They do have the proxy contracts. Yeah, you can see. But the there proxy was another contract. one out there, another explorer that did mm-hmm. support that in the early days. Okay, so it's um, been a while since I've been into the um, upgradable contracts when yeah. they first came out because I remember Avogucci was like one of the first people to start using it. Okay, for their little their little yeah. Um, NFT. Yeah. Things where you throw your your die tokens mm-hmm. and you get upgradables okay. on there, and yeah, there was an interview with him about yes. saying the diamond bet each each look if they called it a diamond because each function is like a sh- like a cut of a diamond, yeah. and then you piece it all together. And okay, that's so what you end
1: up that with. that actually I was going to ask a question actually, you know, because earlier you mentioned diamond contract. And we call we're talking about upgradable contracts. So I'm like, okay, why would you call it a diamond contract? What is the reason? You know, uh, would uh, you be able to answer that, mohammed
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think there's still some other patterns
1: we need to talk about. Oh my God! Yeah, look like look yeah, like yeah, Muhammad yeah. got all that planned out. Not like yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, are yeah, like no, we no, shooting no. from the hip, like yeah. bam, 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 yeah. bam. Yeah. <laughs> was like. You're no, gonna, no, no.
2: You're gonna learn how to, how to load the gun first,
1: Cozy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's go.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to start with yeeting, You know, this like okay, <laughs> our smart contract number A is this one, then community, everyone migrate to contract B. This is one way of upgrading, you know? yeah. Okay, everyone, please, please come to contract B <laughs> and then. <this> <laughs> Way of writing a contract, and also as I said, the state variables themselves, in to some extent, we can say that they can, uh control the logic. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Charlie. The the things that the smart contracts that now we uh, know them as upgradable smart contracts are uh, proxy, are according to the proxy pattern. So, what is this proxy pattern? Um. Smart contracts are still immutable, so no one can change them, as I said before. But DAP can be designed to have one or more smart contracts at the backend side. So you're having a one proxy contract as an interface, and then you're having a bunch of, you know, different smart contracts as a logic contract, then upgrading uh, system or upgrading a smart contract, let's say operating a DApp means we swap out one of these logic contracts for another. So it's like okay, till now I was like the logic contracts was contract A sitting at this address. From now on, we would use contract B mm-hmm. as our version sitting at another address. It's a Separated one and then contract A would be will still remain on the chain but it's abandoned mm-hmm. because no one would call it from yeah. yeah the proxy contract and then uh this is the process so this but for the end users it's like they're having only con- uh, interaction with the proxy contract so they just call the proxy contract at the same address everything is the same seamlessly we change the logic of the and this is the only technical reason that we can do is, is the delegate call in, uh, you know, Ethereum based uh, smart contracts that we can okay. use.
1: All right. So does it mean that um, you can, uh, when you're building your upgradable contract, can you um, communicate between like Ethereum and Optimism or Ethereum and, you know, uh, like a layer two? contracts or do you have to be everything in the same ecosystem?
0: Uh, what we mean by upgradable contracts, uh, we, we mean in the same blockchain, in the same ecosystem. Okay. Because the things you're talking is interoperability. So it's yes. something bridging between two uh, layers of the same uh, uh, blockchain system or different blockchains. So it's a separate Okay. Kind of, but uh, upgradability takes place in the same blockchain. So having All your right. upgrade your logic from logic a to logic b and uh yeah so these delegate calls i want to talk about them because these delegate calls are the key technical uh point in this upgradability when you're calling uh, when i'm talking about delegate call delegate call takes place on the so there's an interface contract like or proxy contract uses or calling the functions in this one, and then these proxy contracts use delegate call to call another contract. But this is different to uh, in a normal calls. This is like they are executing the logic of that target contract in the context mm-hmm. of proxy contract. So that's why we call them delegate calls. It's like Makes they sense. are having their state variables there, but the logic is driven by the logic by the other contract. Mm-hmm. And this is the key point for all of these proxy because we are having different different you know development different development and standards for this proxy pattern. But this is the key delegate calls.
1: Okay. Cool. So um, when you're developing um, your proxy uh, contracts and say, for example, you create like, I don't know, A, B, C, right? um, And proxy contracts. So then when you say A, B, C contracts, does all three of them become proxy contracts? Or as Charlie mentioned, does uh, B and C are the proxy contracts where... A is the one that the interface, which stays constant.
0: Uh, in a very simple case, we are only having one interface, one proxy contract, and there are some logic contracts. So we are having A contracts as a proxy contracts, which route all of the calls to different logic contracts, B, mm-hmm. C, or whatever other contract, other logic yeah. contracts. So normally this is like this but on top of this proxy contract also we can have different contracts so we can have other interface contracts or different types of them yes but let's simple with only one proxy contract and different Got it. versions of logic contract.
1: yeah yes so okay uh, yeah, yeah
0: cool Great question <laughs> <laughs>
2: what how does the how does the gas behave like like um splitting those that from that one interface contract into five um proxy contracts behind it do you do you end up saving on gas through that process by breaking it down smaller and also i guess with that you'd be able to deliver more advanced bigger contracts because you're breaking it down under that limit size as well is that correct
0: um uh, yeah it's correct um about diamond contract yeah we can say because diamonds are getting different functions from different smart contracts but other patterns like transparent proxy pattern or uups universal upgradable proxy uh, these things are using only one smart contract as a logic contract so we're saying that okay logic, for for example, in transparent proxy contract, we're having like this, we're having a one proxy contract, and then inside this proxy contract, there is some admin functions, which says that, okay, we now set the address of the logic contract, but this logic contract is only one contract, okay? So you are saying contract A is our logic contract for, these part of stuff. so for example so for some functionalities you know that definitely only the whole you know a part would be executed so then all the calls only would be routed to this one and then through the callback functions we get the results and then in the transparent proxy we are having some add- Means who are coming here using the native functions of this proxy contract to set the logic contract. Mm-hmm. What normal does always interacting with logic contracts, and it it has some uh, you know problems. It may cause some problems because. Uh, we are having some, you know, function selectors in each smart contract. In normal contract, also, when you are when you are sending a transaction to a blockchain, first you are sending the address of the contract, and then you want to interact with, and then the signature, the function signature or the function selector, which is a four byte. Uh, is a hash of, you know, the name of the function and the inputs, outputs, the signature of the function. In one mm-hmm. smart contract, EVM guarantees that there is no clash between these function selectors code, you know, these four bytes. But yeah. in different contracts, there may be a clash. Mm-hmm. So because different contracts are sitting on different addresses and this in this trans-pattern proxy pattern, you may end mm-hmm. up clashing native functions of the proxy contract and the functions in logic contract, so and it it ends up with a random you know output because the proxy contract doesn't know whether it should go to the yep native function contract or it should go to the uh logic smart contract and call that function there, which we call the function selector clash. This is the problem yes. we are. In the transparent uh, proxy pattern, it it has been somehow resolved uh, by, for example, if you're using OpenZeppelins 1, they're having a different administrative contract, yep. which is separate from proxy contract, and then which is taking care of this smart con- uh, the logic contract address, and then there's no clash between them because admins only contact with the admin administrator a uh, smart contract, users only going through proxy
1: contract. So- Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so can you, in a in a uh, proxy contract, can you, so you just mentioned, I was gonna ask the question, but I think you, you know, um, went there a little bit. So I'm, I'll make, I'll ask a question anyway so that we can, you know, sort of dive into that side. So in a, a proxy contract, can you make it so that some contracts can be executed, like it's role-based um, some smart, you know, some proxy contract can be some roles and other contracts can be other roles. Can, can that be configured into the uh, proxy contracts as well? So like role-based is, proxy contracts?
0: Yes, definitely you can have role-based con- uh, proxy contracts. For example, in this transparent proxy, uh, when you are contacting the uh, interface or proxy contract, based on the address you're having, it makes a decision whether you are an admin or mm-hmm. normal. If you're a normal user, you would be routed to the logic contract. If you're an yeah. admin, you can have access to the native functions of that, you know, proxy contract. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's normal users won't have uh, access to these special uh, to these native functions of proxy contract. Okay. All the accounts would be routed to the logic contract. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, where I see, uh, I don't know, I've kind of, when I look at proxy contracts, for me, it's, a, it's a, you know, a little bit above the uh, database, uh, going through a database because it's like, you know what, it's somewhat... Uh, decentralized somewhat uh, blockchain-ish but when i look at the web 3 like pure blockchain it's not there it's not uh, the purest version of it it's almost like centralized but half you know not, i don't even know the half or whatever but it's a percentage decentralized another percentage centralized right so yeah you want to say something
2: <laughs> yeah i was- it's like centralized on a decentralized network yeah it's centralized like, can, and a decentralized it can network be, it can, it's more i look at it more of a it's commercial, based, like commercial a, yeah. like like a business a web 2 business coming yep. into web 3 maybe there's reasons they want to change things in the mm-hmm. future cut down rewards maybe mm-hmm. they've publicized that yeah that's what that's what mm-hmm. they would go with but yep. in saying that off off topic for a little bit is yep. um, paypal use like <laughs> um version 0.4 solidity contract what for their stable coin no <laughs> yeah 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 they, it's like they copied an old tipper contract from back in the day and put py unless they've been working <laughs> on for that long. On there but yeah you've got to
1: digress <laughs> so much we can get into that later but i just found that was yeah we should like see if they can do a bit of a um security audit on that Hey, let's do it. Let's do a security audit on the PayPal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Why not? I wonder
2: if it's acceptable to re-entrance. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's it. Hey. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, again, like, you know, just talking about in this subject. So when you're doing that, uh, we're launching that, deploying that contract. Wouldn't you get notified saying, okay, the version is too old? Or, I mean, the SDKs nowadays, they do prompt, right? Saying that this is an old version or, you know don't they unless the developer's like oh yeah yes 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 oh oh, man oops too late i said yes to everything (laughs) i agree i agree I yes (laughs) (laughs) so um yes so um about the yeah so you know with this uh, centralized and decentralized right it's like half and as you said this could work in the enterprise level because it could be, a, yeah. say, for a... Well, you put trust in Nike. Yeah, like a membership. They're going to
2: deliver your shoes.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be into a point like where the trusted a party still got access, somewhat access to some... A game. Yeah. It needs to update certain things mm. for certain reasons. It makes sense in the game. Mm. So that can be like... So if you think about the assets and a marketplace contract, so we can say like oh, the marketplace contract can be the the proxy contract where the nft can be the 721 example
0: uh yes but i still prefer to have a separate proxy contract and then separate facet uh as i yeah will explain it for the market contract as well because you may need to change the logic of your marketplace contract as well yes so uh, yeah. But regarding the centralization issue, right, is, is hmm. there are some countermeasures you can take. So in terms of when and who and what uh, could be upgraded, actually, there are different countermeasures. Some popular ways is like having multi-sync contracts instead of only one admin and one so which needs that. Several accounts to agree on some upgradeability, uh, and then only you can, uh, you know, deploy the upgradeability or migrate to a new version. Or the the other one would be time so which allows users to leave the platform before the execution time. So whenever you decide to migrate from Logic A to Logic B. You should set some variable on the smart contract. You should announce it on the smart contract. And then all the users are having like 48 hours or so, I don't know, whatever time yeah. you've agreed upon, uh, to leave the platform or to exchange mm-hmm. their tokens. So there could be different strategies to minimize these centralizations, you know, threats in upgradable, yeah. uh, let's say, architecture or even okay. voting. Them. You can have a voting system to say that, okay, if it, it needs any upgradability, needs a certain percentage of users to agree on it, to vote for it, and then only we would go and uh, upgrade the uh, logic. So this is when and who problem, actually, and also what. It, it is, so in the community, it could be discussed, and then people can vote for it, that hmm. one should check when should change
1: yeah okay so um for example now and i you know how I, I i see how i understand a uh, proxy contract or upgradable contract is like this so now if i go and um sign uh, my wallet to a smart contract to interact with a smart contract as we do now if anyone you know, the next version of that smart con- of that platform comes, you know, they release. I had to sign with the new smart contract and unsign or disconnect from the previous smart contract, right? Because if they found a, some sort of a security issue with the previous uh, smart contract, I had to unhook from that one and then sign with the new smart contract, right? In a proxy contract, I, I don't have to sign anything right, because it get upgraded behind the scene, isn't it? So that's, a, so that's a benefit for the end user so that they don't have to re-sign, they sign once and they move forward and it allows the developers to upgrade and fix the security issues.
2: If in-house found a bug for a bug bounty, they can quickly, quietly go update Update that, that
1: them to hand to, to yes. To have yeah, before, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're getting drained. yeah yeah Yeah. well
2: well having to tell the whole community hey those tokens now you've got a you've got a bridge over you're going to airdrop you these new ones and you're going to have to reconnect yes
1: yeah and that's that's the biggest benefit in that stuff and then same time um you had to balance bit of a balance act with the community's trust factor because even though it's a trustless system i would say community is still trusting um the smart contract really that that's what they're trusting isn't it you know trustless system so um and that's what it is so alrighty. so um with the um with the um now proxy contracts or the diamond contracts why are they why you call it diamond contracts is it because like most of them um are based on diamond contract pattern and not on the is it UUIPS ips or something i think
0: or yeah, yeah. ufo is it called UFO? <laughs> no, it is yes. uh, aliens. aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. New UPS is also another type of uh, architecture for pricey pattern. Uh, actually, the universal operator with pricey EIP eighteen twenty two. I think it is. Uh, so it's also uh, somehow the same to the... Pattern, this proxy pattern, you know. We're mm. having interface proxy smart contract, and we're having a logic contract, it's still one logic contract is there. But the point is that we don't have a clash problem here in UUPS. Why? Because to upgrade the smart contract, to up op- to upgrade the logic of the whole architecture, you don't need to go to the proxy contract and set it. The admin mm-hmm. should go to current logic contract. And then from there, this current logic contract actually inherited from proxyable contracts. It means that it would be ex- extends some functions of a proxyable contracts. Yeah. So there are some admin functions available on logic contract. You go to current logic contract as an admin, definitely there should be access control there. and. Uh, then you change from the current logic contract, you change mm-hmm. it to the address of the next logic contract. And this way, there is no you know chance of clash because EVM yeah. by default prevents you uh, deploying a contract which has uh, which there is a, a function signature clash between these functions. Yes. So for one specific contract, definitely it is guaranteed. After the deployment that there is no clash between the uh, uh, function selectors. So function mm-hmm. signatures are unique for this one smart contract. And because the operability uh, functions and normal functions, I mean user functions, normal logic yep. functions are at the same contract or deployed with the same contract, there's no chance of clashing between, between them. But there is another problem there that uh, it could be viewed as a problem or as a benefit. event. it is like so. If you set a new smart contract, which is not proxyable, you know, uh, then it would be immutable. So on logic A, of uh, course, on, on smart contract logic A, we are yeah. having it like deployed the first time deployed and says that okay, admin can come here change the logic to any other change the address of the logic contract if you change it to contract b and then contract b is not upgradable then everything yeah. would be locked to contract b so there is the, this is a important point there from some point is native because you may end up locking in some specific case that would be you know in favor of admins or i don't of know course. maybe fault you go to and lock the system yeah. in one logic and but it also could be used as a benefit when we can say that okay after a uh, specific period of time we would make so we are having some initial phase on yeah. logic a blah 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 then after that time we would be immutable and that's yes. guaranteed okay, so but we, you can't have this feature on transparent proxy. You know, when you are setting the logic contract on the proxy smart contract, you cannot yeah. have this locking okay. um, feature. Yep. Yeah.
1: Cool. Alrighty. So when we talk about uh, proxies, what is the, what is one of the latest? What are the, you know, changes, you know, happen? Is it like the proxy, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we spoke about how the NFTs, moved right um from different uh, ercs and then next the next the next right what is that journey for proxy contracts was there maybe a, a few different standards or is it something that we call proxy contract like you know for the final one or what does that look like and what is where are we going next
0: yeah uh so then there are different you know minor proposals there with different you know uh development or standards based on proxy contracts Mm -hmm. but in general we can say that we've seen a journey started from transparent proxy contracts which uses a proxy contract to uh control the address of the logic contract and coming to uups which uses a logic contract to uh, change the to upgrade the logic contract and then at the end the uh, latest one would be diamond because diamond is completely different compared to these two more complex and different yeah. and this is uh so most of in most of the cases if it's a simple task we don't want to get involved with the diamond one so if it's Not a it. simple start contract for a simple straightforward business we don't want to have these you know diamonds because i'll, I'll go through these diamonds <laughs> for a couple of minutes that why they are more complex compared to these uh, yep. uh transparent and ups so uh, even open zeppelins and other uh companies are providing some you know standards for uups and libraries that you can use these packages that you can you can make sure that there's no security problems in them and then import these things make your smart contract upgradable and go uh, on chain so these are the things that most of the uh you know businesses would take when they want to be upgradable because this is a simple one contract you know one logic contract there then there's no need to make it complex, but yeah. when when you want the whole ecosystem to be dynamic and to be evolving, like what when you are dealing with an NFT marketplace, you may have different types of tokens. You you want to need introduce uh, you you may need to introduce, you know, upgraded tokens. Yeah, with upgraded logics for your NFTs. Or upgraded logic for your marketplace contract. All of these things could be changed, and and hmm. it's, an, it's a huge interaction between these. You know, you may have renting contracts. You want your uh, uh, renting uh, actually standard also to be added there or removed. So this is a uh, you know heterogeneous kind of um, architecture in the DAP. So you're dealing with different types of logics. Diamond actually is based on a uh, uh, this idea of facets. So uh, um, it's like this. So you're having a diamond contract as your proxy contract and the main contract, and you can have the state variables of this contract set somewhere else actually, and make it safe. There is no problem with them. Mm-hmm. Then you would have different, for each signal function, you can have a separate facet. And that's what they call it facet because it's like a facet of a diamond. Yep. You can cut it and make a new facet. So these facets are the keys in, in the diamond protocol. They are separate, independent, uh, standalone contracts. So when you want to use these facets, you should go there and deploy them, and they're having their addresses and everything. Then after that, you can use these uh, smart contracts partially in your system, mm-hmm. like you are having a cut diamond. The smart contract exactly. It's like the diamond industry traditional diamond <laughs> creation. But yeah. If you want to add a new, if you want to add a new feature to your diamond contract, you should first cut it. And the cut diamond contract is introducing, adding or removing or replacing different facets into your diamond contract. And it gives you this huge opportunity that you're not binding it to one logic contract. You can have as many a number of the, uh, as many as you want, the facets. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, unlimited, okay?
1: I mean, you know, that creates like, uh, for example, I think that's gonna create a nightmare when it comes to, uh, a nightmare, not nightmare, but maybe uh, the job a little bit more bigger for the smart contract audits team, right?
2: Exactly. Yes, and I was gonna say, you Web2 developers think it's hard taking someone's code after three years, coming to start, you know, the memes of jumping into someone's code that was built 20 years ago imagine jumping into a diamond contract on a big set i mean it's that's like it right years in the future that's just
1: crazy like you <laughs> know um and i think when, when it comes to coding i always say it's right um when you're um you know when you're writing the code there's um two people knows about the code right that's you who's the coder and and god right <laughs> Once you finish coding, after one week, only one person know the code and yeah. that's God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you know You know, that's that's what it is, right now when you look back the code and it's like, Oh my god, I can't believe I wrote that piece of code, you know.
2: Now you just call um, Muhammad God because I know he knows the code a week later. <laughs> uh, maybe two months. Maybe two months later. Uh, okay, two months. Right. Let's do two months, yeah. So um, but, yeah, interesting. the yes. smart contract auditing. Yeah. So how how do you
1: how do you tackle that when it comes to uh, auditing smart contracts on a proxy? Obviously, it's like, I mean, like it's like doing security audit, like pen testing on any you know on any code, right? Any piece of code. But does it differ? Uh, you know, when it comes to proxy contracts.
0: Yeah, actually, it is uh, harder, really harder, when it comes to diamond. Cup. It, for transparent ones and UPS ones, still you are dealing with one logic contract, which yep. makes it easier for you. You just need to uh you know be, be checking the how delegate calls are working or uh, are functioning, and we may end up in calling and you know, uh, endless calls to the logic contract or these kind of stuff. But when it comes to the facets, they're also sharing. They're variables. They're sharing memories, and there, there could be you know huge amount of you know security holes there. So it needs a proper auditing, because you may use part of a function, or you may use one part of a smart contract as a facet in your diamond, and then part of another smart contract a second facet in your diamond and then you're having you know a storage contract which could be uh, which should be actually controlled by these two logics and they're having their own you know logics and problems each of these facets so because and 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 it's a dynamic process so whenever you want to introduce a facet you should again check all the current facets and make sure that it meets the requirements, the security requirements, and then mm. you can add it. Or, or sometimes you need to remove a specific uh, facet definitely before adding this new one. So it's a dynamic process. Whenever you want yes. to upgrade, definitely a new kind of auditing is needed, uh, especially yep. on contracts. On yep. other patterns, you can have one, you know, one shot of you know. Uh, auditing uh, but this one is really really a little bit
1: cumbersome right because i i remember yeah. when we did the a uh, couple of those smart contract audits in the like the proxy proxy small diamond contracts and it is it's a little bit more involved than the rest of the um other contracts uh, because of the complexities mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how they how they interact so uh all righty so i guess we are getting closer Um, to the end of the podcast Um, before we end um, did we miss out anything from your list that you really 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 want to talk to um us about muhammad i'm pretty sure that he got about 10 different things right you didn't you didn't let me talk I about didn't you even just get to the meat to the meat yet you know what i mean and th- that's what happened last time as well. really he's like muhammad's like oh guys i didn't get enough time you know
0: So I, I actually we can have series of you know episodes regarding operability because we just touch the surface in general okay in in you know general terms what are different types of uh, uh, proxy pattern development and standards and we, we speak we've spoken briefly about each of them but one important thing about a diamond that I want to mention is that this is the so you're dealing with loop diamond cut diamond and the diamond compact and the facets so whenever you need to add a fact, it gives you modularity because any function, any part of your smart contract you want to fix, you can have a separate facet and then use that facet. How this works is like this, we are having a, some sort of mapping, or let's say a struct, if any blockchain developer <laughs> is watching <laughs> us. So which <we laughs> <says> is <laughs> selected to facet. So it says, If you want to do this functionality byte 4 of this, which uh, idea of this function, go to this address. If you do this one, go to this address. And this is the cut diamond contract, which controls these things. Okay. So functionality number one was controlling, was uh, actually the, the functionality number one is by logic A. And then you go to the diamond con- uh, cut diamond contract and say that now this functionality should go to this address. So each single functionality of your the whole ecosystem could go to different addresses, and we mm-hmm. save these. So this is a kind of a this is a, the the difference between diamond and the others. Okay. Uh, uh, and and the final point from my side is that. A problem okay. is
1: your problem or feature? Problem. <laughs> the the, the, the opportunity. problem.
0: Opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, problems are always. <laughs> <opportunity>. <laughs> yeah. With, there are two different, you know, sides when it comes to the operating. First, the, uh, the team that they are going to uh, use these operatable contracts in their dApps. First of all, you should take care with uh, you should take care of it it is not a normal uh, simple job to do it needs experienced developers with enough knowledge and then uh, enough you know auditing process definitely before going to the market especially when you're dealing with diamond contracts for any reason you decide to go for diamond there are different developments for diamond uh, in terms of gas consumption or they are different, and then there are different, you know, features. There. But you uh, you should take it with care. This one it is it is it is very complex job compared to the other stuff. Uh, blockchain and for the users. Uh, I should say that any kind of app you want to join, or you you want to put your money in, definitely you should uh, have a blockchain. You know. A discussion with blockchain consultant or any anyone or if you have the knowledge go through check the smart contracts that's a general you know advice but when it comes to upgradable contracts this is also and uh, um, there are other factors you should consider as well so how trusted these people are how their team how, how do you know them and this is not like because if there's no governance content measures there It may end up in centralization. If there's any technical problem there, it may end up, you know, blowing up the whole system, not like a simple smart contract. So definitely you need to uh, discuss with blockchain consultants and and, and having some sort of discussion and thinking before joining these and having trust on the team, especially (laughs) Uh, before joining a DAP, which is going to use, operated with smart contracts.
1: Okay, go. Cool. All right, awesome. Um, my brain is like fried. Uh, I'm I'm still I'm still stuck in the UFO. <laughs>
2: aliens,
1: aliens. Um, but I know that you know, uh, Muhammad and Nathan had an awesome time. I can see Nathan behind the scene, like Nathan, like oh my god, this is like he is like hooked to the you know, uh, to the screen, right. <laughs> <laughs> No they're like okay I think I got He's this. He's like
2: diamonds. Yeah diamonds diamonds. Yeah. Awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. He's thinking of his next diamond earring, you know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bling. Um Muhammad thank you so much um for that you know for that you know for your insight. Yeah. I think we can you know I know that you can not we I think you can definitely talk a lot more for weeks to come on this subject uh, but unfortunately we just only got one hour. <laughs> Um, but I think definitely we'll uh, catch up a little bit more about uh, other uh, contract standards as well, more specific standards and um, discuss about how we can add those benefits and, you know, what are the pros and the cons on those ones as well. So on that note, guys, uh, what about you, Charlie? You got anything to say? Like, No, before we... no it was
2: awesome. Awesome yeah. to have Muhammad back on and uh, going through some contracts. Yeah. I hope everyone learned, learned some valuable um, knowledge today.
1: 100%. Exactly. On that note, guys, thank you everyone for joining us and have an awesome weekend. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. See, see you there, guys. See you. See you. Thank, thank you. Thank you
0: so much See you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.